welcome to smart cherry's thoughts this is sai from india Firstly, uh, thank you very much uh, for coming to my show. No, no, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So, I thought to tell about the work that you are doing to my audience. Okay, perfect. What do you What do you want to know? How do you want to start? Let me know. Uh, before that, can you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, sure. So, my name is Bruno Bruno Capuano. I live in Canada. but not canadian not with the accent born and raised in argentina moved to spain in the early 2000 and moved to canada on five or six years ago i can't remember and i work in microsoft now i as a cloud advocate so my main role is to help communities user groups students startups to do their best using microsoft products but also if they want to do something different if they want to help some specific group to do something we are a team to try to make this stuff happen so it's kind of a nice job between technical activities and community activities so how is this and uh, uh, from from uh, uh, how many years you're working on this so i joined microsoft a year in a half ago or a year in a couple of months maybe Before joining Microsoft I was working in tech worked 16 years in the same company uh, doing mostly consulting working in innovation team and I always always be related and always do community stuff as I said before joining Microsoft I was a Microsoft MVP for 14 years in a row the MVP is a specific uh, <coughs> award it's not an award it's a recognition that Microsoft gives to people were based on your contributions your activities in the community and how you use the products and these kind of things so i got this award in different categories I started as a programmer in c sharp then a couple of years later they switched me to a category kind of alm what is basically known today as a devops then they moved me to i can't remember windows development the last five years before joining microsoft i was in the ai world and it was mostly because i like to work with communities i like to help communities i like to go to a meetup and try to see how we can do amazing stuff together help people to know each other help people to uh, to let's learn all together let's set up kind of activities to prepare all together for a certification or host us an amazing event so i've been doing this for a long time even before moving to canada and a year and a half ago it became my full time job this is what i am doing in microsoft right now so how is working uh, with computers and also people that's hard <laughs> that's very hard uh no jokes aside uh, you probably seen these days there are a lot of layoff in the big tech companies there is this way this huge ai hype around that everything is going to be replaced by ai ai and this kind of tendencies i don't agree with that i really believe that the tools that we have right now are like the tools that we have 10 years ago 20 years ago they're becoming better and they help us to become more productive that said the way that we use those tools and we interact those tools is it's it's a, is what we need to to change so what i've seen right now an example in communities and we are going to host an event later today here in toronto with an amazing group of ai experts and literally what we most talk about is what we can do working in this space in the tech space to help people move forward to help people reinvent themselves to to also to validate that the technology that we are using is good we are not using a biased technology we are not using models that are not not good enough and these kind of things so it's hard because and again it's hard but i am quoting hard because 
I'm a very technical person. I, I love technology. I love programming. I get lost when I am coding. I have a lot of fun. But at the same time, in the, in the, the last couple of years, or not couple, maybe five or six years, I spent a lot of time, really a lot of time, uh, teaching myself, learning about people, how we work with people, how people are reacting, how people all over the world, because As I said, I was born in Latin America, live in Europe, now in North America, you live in Asia. So, hey, we also work in a global, we, we, I am talking with you right now and we are 10,000 kilometers away or something. We need to be really aware that knowing people, cultures, uh, everything is important and we need to figure out how to get the best with this using technology. So that's the hard part. Technology, I mean, we will figure out. <laughs> That's the easy part. Working with people, it's, it's hard. But not hard in the sense that people are hard. It's hard to, because there are a lot of stuff there that I think we are starting to really get the sense of how we can get the best for everyone. And, and it's a super long and, and tricky topic. And I am not an expert. They are really, there are people who really know much more than myself. I'm just trying to figure out how can I do my, how can I add my two cents here and there to, to make everything a little better. Does this make sense? Yeah. And uh, how is working in Microsoft for one plus year? It's great. I mean, I don't have complaints. As I say, this, this, the last couple of months are kind of hard because of the global layouts and everything else. But I am part of a global team. I work at the reactor group and the reactor is a, is a place. It's a network of physical spaces that we have all around the globe. We have 12 right now to, to host communities, to host people. So as I said, early today, I'm going to go to our space in the office to basically have some coffee and pizza with a set of amazing people to see what we can do together. But at the same time, When I joined Microsoft, I joined Microsoft to support the Toronto community, but because we are in a global team, And hey, hablo español. I speak Spanish. I, we started to see, to figure out, okay, maybe we can do something virtually to support Latin America. And oh my God, we are doing so many amazing stuff, mostly virtual to support my friends and colleagues from Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, all of the people in Latin America. So I really appreciate this because sometimes when we think about Microsoft, a 50 years old company or something like this, a super big company. Super hard to, to change. Uh, changes are slow there. Everything is moving in with a lot of red tape. No, it's not. I mean, there are some places who probably are like this, but the group that I'm working, the, the next gen developer, next generation developers, our generation experience, I'm sorry, are amazing. They are super open to, to try new stuff, super open to say, okay, we tried this, didn't work, move in a different direction. So, I'm happy. It's a big company, but lucky me, I still have this feeling that we are kind of a small, it's not a startup, but a small company where we know each other. There are a lot of people there and we can collaborate and collaborate and get the best of and learn a lot with them, which I think it's really, really nice. And uh, I can see you have uh, been in technology for, for, for a long time and uh, you have worked in different places and different domains. So how is this experience uh, learning from different things and uh, do you have any particular thing that uh, you never shared with anyone that is amazing that happened in your career technology career hey if you that's a great question by the way that's an amazing question if 15 years ago as i said i started a programmer i also get late to the computer world i'm not that type of person that started when they were a kid using a Commodore 64 or sinclair i started I, I use my first computer in my 20s. So super late. Or today's people, super late. If you, if 20 years ago, I'm in my 40s, if 20 years ago, when I started to get into the computer, some program, you ask me where I am going to be today, I will probably say that, I will probably say that I really, really hope that in the future, I am working in an amazing engineer team creating great products because I like to code. I like to work as an engineer. 
somehow I started to program. I did a lot of coding at the beginning. Then I moved to do some kind of management of team. It wasn't my my stuff. I didn't like it. Uh, don't I wasn't also very good at there. Then I moved to do some software architecture, whatever I was calling. It's nice fun. Then I started to work at innovation, which is basically okay. We have problems. How we solve these problems using technology, and I basically learned that. I really don't know what is going to happen tomorrow <laughs> for myself. I still code. I still code a lot. I try to learn new languages every couple of years. So as I, uh, I started doing a lot of Visual Basic, whatever. In the 2000s, moved to C Sharp. Did a lot. Did also a lot of stuff in C++. Then when I moved to the machine learning world, I started to learn Python. Last year, I started to learn and do stuff in Rust. I keep learning stuff and basically what I learned in the last 20 years is that I need to be very flexible. I need to have a very grown mindset to if I know something and maybe that's not going to be true tomorrow. I need to learn something on top of that. I need to replace my A with these B's or C's or these kind of things. So I don't know. An example, I joined Microsoft not even looking to join Microsoft. It was COVID days. It was kind of weird, but I was super happy in my previous job. And somehow, because we are isolated, we try to, I started to have this kind of conversation with a lot of people. Somewhere they are, a Microsoft open was, a Microsoft door was open and started to talk there, applied for a position, didn't get the one, then wait, still meeting people, applied for the current one and get that one. My main learn or my main stuff from the last uh, years working like this is, hey, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Have an open mindset, learn, learn, learn. I will probably go back to myself in my 20s and say, hey, Bruno, you need to be much more flexible today to learn more stuff. And uh, that's what basically bring me today to here. And like, not knowing, I know what is going to happen tomorrow. Probably not, not what I don't know what is going to happen next week, but have a smile and move forward with this because this, these are, everything is changing so fast that you can't keep up with this. And you need to basically move with the flow, but you need to try to also move with the flow to grow in a specific direction. Choose your battles. I'm sorry, it didn't have a very clear message there, but it's hard to answer that person. Awesome. And uh, you started uh, uh, you started as a programmer and uh, you entered into software architecture, understanding uh, how uh, the design uh, of the uh, software is there and all. And... Uh, Next, uh, you you worked in different countries, uh, which has different languages, and um, now you came to a position where uh, you have uh, communicated with the computers. Now you are communicating with human beings. Eventually, all this is because to help somebody uh, in uh, in solving their problem. So, how you look at this? Uh, uh, how do you think that uh, uh, you are serving to the society using this technology medium? That's a great question. So, yes, working uh, working all around Europe, I was super lucky. I traveled a lot, a long time ago, and meet a lot of amazing people, meet a lot of amazing cultures, uh, realize how different is the, the lifestyles between, I don't know, Italy and Norway, in example, back in Europe. Even here in Canada, it's, it's everything is super different. But I like to solve problems. That's what I think at the end of the day is mostly my job. And you have some experience, you have a set of skills, so you have a problem and you need to solve a problem. And the problem can be a technical problem. How do we build something? How do we scale something? How do we use the cloud to do something even better? Or a people's problem. Uh, right now, in example, we we decided to to start to do activities, not technical activities, to support communities, to support these kind of things. And as I said, as and you just mentioned, I basically bring to the table my skills, which are not a good set of skills, but this is what I have. And I started to 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 mention to my boss and my colleagues that you know what, in Latin America or maybe in places where English is not your first language. Getting a job in tech, when you have an interview in English uh, or you need to do something in not your first language, it's a challenge. And I have a lot of friends, and even my English level is not good 
very good enough. I think it's good enough to eat and that's it. But with that in mind, we started the program. This is, this is a six month program. We started this on January. Yes. So we are a month two where we are hosting sessions with a very small cohort of people from Latin America, helping them to improve their English. And how do we do this? We host a one hour session where the first 20, 25 minutes we talk about the technical topic in English. And then the, the last, the, the second part of the meeting, we basically encourage the, we try to talk with the audience and help them. Okay. Let's talk about this topic, but in English. So we do a mix between Spanish and English, helping all each other to, to help them to improve their, their, their level. So. Again, if you ask me if I am going to do these kind of things a couple of years ago, I would say, no, I'm working with cloud, with Azure, with this kind of machine learning. There is nothing for me there. But I see the value today. I see the value of helping people. I am super lucky. And again, sorry for repeating myself. I am super lucky to be a part of a company who allows me to do these kind of things. They believe there is value there. They believe there is value of spending my work hours helping people from all around of Latin America. We have somebody from Ecuador, Mexico, Colombia. I can't remember. We have different people from a lot of places helping them to improve their English level. So if they want to apply for a job in America, Europe, Asia, Africa, or whatever, and they need to do this English, hey, we, we try to help them. We try to move forward. And also because in tech, English is kind of a common language. There is an extra value there for them. So, hey, that's my two cents today. That's my one of the activities that we are doing today to help people. Besides doing amazing AI stuff, open AI stuff, and all of this stuff. And uh, it's nice. Uh, I really like and I really enjoy these kind of things. And again, my skills, I can speak in Spanish and English. So, hey, let's try to help people who are also maybe want to go in these directions. And what problems you're solving now? So we have a couple of one. And then besides, let's move to the technical part. So besides those activities that we're doing with communities, try to, to work, uh, try to support a lot of DNI, diversity and inclusion groups to do more. Right now we are, uh, and this is kind of personal and part of a group. We are trying to help people to understand how this large language model, like ChatGPT, everybody's talking about ChatGPT, everybody's super excited about ChatGPT, and everybody's complaining about ChatGPT. And part of our job is to try to help people understand how these models works, how important is the, the data that we use to train those models, how the second step that OpenAI is doing uh, to fine tune this model that is leader by, that is basically lead by humans and then they are open. Hey, I'm spending a decent amount of time right now teaching, not teaching, but explaining people how this new big model works and what we can and can't do with this model. So, uh, we are, it's amazing. It seems that everything is going to be solved, that ChatGPT is going to do crazy stuff. I see at least 10, 20, 100 TikTok videos or YouTube videos a day of people starting claiming that let me show you how to use ChatGPT to get your startup and get your first million dollars. That's not like this. <laughs> it's not working like this. So, hey, I am working trying to explain how we use these technologies, how we use this set of APIs in the Power Platform, for example. If you are not a programmer and you work in the low code, we are hosting sessions to help people to say, hey, you want to add value to your applications? You can invoke these OpenAI APIs and add value to your application. We can also, I just published last week a couple of po blog posts of how you can use OpenAI APIs from Rust. There are, I see that there are samples in Python, samples in JavaScript, and a couple of other languages. No Rust. So add my two cents. This is how you write. This is how you invoke these APIs if you are writing code in Rust. So I'm trying to balance my community, human community activities with the technical ones. And today, and I think 2023 is going to be mostly like this. I am not going to do a lot of AI development. I am not going to create my AI models that I used to do, machine learning models, sorry, that I used to do in the past. 
I think I'm going to spend a decent amount of time explaining or trying to teach or trying to help people to use these APIs that we have in OpenAI, an example of API that we have in Azure OpenAI services to build their applications. And mostly from the side that, hey, no, this is not magic. There is some technical ABCs in the back. Let's try to understand what's happening so we get the best of the tools. So technical today and 2023, Ansure is going to be all around OpenAI, large language models, transformers. They're going to be a super cool set of announcements in the future. I really don't know them, but I'm hoping good stuff. So everything is going to kind of change. And hey, I try to help people to understand why we use these tools and what's happening in the back. So you saw the evolution of the technology. You saw how changes happened in the technology in your uh, career. Uh, and uh, you came to a position where, uh, or you came to a time where uh, uh, chat GPT is uh, solving problems of human beings. So, uh, so how humans are thinking in in order to uh, solve problems and uh, and uh, do you think that uh, human humans are going to create things uh, which matches exact uh, exactly with the human psychology, the machines? That's a great question. So. I will answer it with the technical part. Remember, I'm a technical person. <laughs> so last year, GitHub released Copilot. And I remember when, when Copilot was released, and by the way, if someone in the audience doesn't know what is Copilot, Copilot is a, it's an assistant that you can install in several programming environments. And so I use Visual Studio Code, in example. So it's an assistant running Visual Studio Code that is basically reading my code, reading my comments, and make suggestions about my code. So if I said, oh, I need this, I, don't know, I have this collection here, and I want to sort this collection by date, Copilot is going to understand that I am working here, I have this collection, and I want to sort it by date, and because Copilot supports different programming language, it's going to suggest me some code to do that. And it's great, it works amazing. I'm still blow, I'm still, really, really crazy about the stuff that we can do with Copilot. But last year when Copilot was released, there was a huge buzz around that we are not going to need programmers anymore. For one side, because Copilot is going to do all the code. And in the other side, there was a lot of, a lot of group of people complaining that <clears throat> Copilot is not smart because Copilot is suggesting crappy code. So you have kind of both sides, people saying that we don't need programmers, Copilot is going to do everything, and you have people, Copilot is generating and suggesting crappy and very bad code. And the, inter the interesting thing here is that they were both right, both sides were right. Copilot is generating a lot of code. So we programmers, we don't need to type this code anymore. And in the other side, we need to be aware that Copilot sometimes generates very bad code. <laughs> sometimes uh, the, the output from Copilot suggestions Oh my God, they are not good at all. But in the middle of these two, there is a human, there is a programmer, there is myself who needs to really understand the code suggestion from Copilot and decide if you want to use it or not. And that's not easy because that's basically, if you've been programming a lot of time, you need to basically change the way that your mind works. Remember that we talk about how you need to have an open mind, how you need to change every time from time to need to be more adaptable. So today, Working with Copilot is much more. You, be, you become a, a, a more productive uh, developer, more productive programmer. But at the same time, you probably need to change your flow. You probably need to change the way that you were used to work because you are reading suggestions. You are re-evaluating the suggestion. You say, okay, this is fine or this is not fine. Or, okay, I like this, but I'm going to tweak this here and there. Or, hey, I'm going to switch down Copilot for forever. Or I'm going to turn on Copilot again. So. We need to change. We need to, to figure out how to change. I don't, I don't know if we are going to have a copilot in the future that is going to write everything for us. I see a lot of AI products today that they are claiming that they are going to do everything. I'm in a specific domain that may, they may solve a problem. I don't think that they are going to replace everything. What we need to do, what we need to learn to do is basically learn to use these tools. Where right now we have Copilot for search. We have Bing chat. Basically, if you search something and you go to the chat, 
is going to give you natural language responses to your questions. And you are going to have some link where this information came. So if you want to know more, you need to click here and there. That's it. Last week was crazy about what Chat was doing with the super crazy scenarios. We, we tweak the model to become better and better. So there are new tools here. We need to work with these tools and not going to replace the human, that's for sure. What we are going to have is new opportunities, new jobs and new careers to work with these tools. And that's to finish the last example. There is a new job there that didn't even exist two months ago, which is the prompt engineer, which is basically a role, an engineer who is learning and becoming smart and smart and smart to know how to create a prompt, to know how to create a question, to be fit into this large language model. So if you want to get the best of an image generator, generator like DALI or Midjourney or Stable Diffusion or something like this, there is a specific role right now in the industry that specializes on, because you pay for service, every time that you ask for an image, you need to pay 20 cents or something like this. So if you spend a couple of hundred requests to, to get the perfect image, you are going to spend a couple of hundred times 20 cents. Hey, that's money. So there is a specific role, which is the prompt engineer, who is the expert on get the best, the best prompt in the short amount of time. It's a little more complicated, but that's an easy way to, to explain this. That job didn't even exist on November. We are in February. And there are requests for, maybe they exist in November, but on July, I'm sure, last year, I'm sure this wasn't even there. But we have this request today. So we are not going to replace human. We are not going to do this. We are going to change jobs. We are going to see new jobs. And we are going to see a lot of super useful tools, super crazy tools that we, that's going to sound like, oh my God, this is science fiction. New jobs. I am looking forward to see what are we going to do next. I am looking for, let's, let's schedule a chat for next year, same time, same day. And let's see, oh, oh my God, what's happened? Do you remember when we talk about this? It's going to be kind of a nice one. And uh, Microsoft uh, uh, cloud uh, data centers are uh, uh, interconnected and uh, communicating and uh, uh, connecting countries today and uh, you are in technology from long time and this happened now and uh, it took certain amount of time for uh, technology to connect the countries uh, uh, different countries and different human beings in different parts of the world so how much time it takes microsoft to put their, their data center in the space so that we can communicate with the aliens that's a good question. I mean, it seems that we're going to have the aliens coming to us first because we see all of these UFOs or whatever. Uh, right now, I don't know. There are data centers everywhere. We literally have, probably seen the news, we literally have these data centers that go into the deep of the ocean because take advantage of the, the temperatures there and these kind of things. So I don't know. We have a service on the cloud, which is Azure, spatial, whatever is to emulate a network of satellites, communication, something like this. I don't know. I need to go to the Azure specialist to say to the, hey, hey, Tim, do we have any alien service? Azure alien service? I like the name, by the way. It's AAS. We may have something in the future. Not today. I really don't know. But with everything that's happening, I usually... I am not going to be surprised if we announce something, the alien, whatever, in the future, because we live in crazy days. But keep, let's let's see what's happened on Build in a couple of months. When we do big announcements, we may have something there. And how uh, Microsoft is reaching everywhere and uh, connecting, uh, 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 connecting everywhere and uh, solving uh, uh, problems of people who are into different industries. That's a very good question. So. The, the mission that we have at Microsoft is to empower every person and every organization in the world to do their best. And that's, that seems to be simple uh, because it's just a sentence, but it's super complicated, super complicated. It's not the same how, I don't know, financial services work in Latin America than they work in Asia or how retail industries work in Australia versus Canada, in example. So, it's, it's hard. It's tricky. The nice things that we have, what, what I've seen in Microsoft, and again, I've just been here for a year and a half or something like this, uh, is that 
we are super open right now. We are super to changes. We are super prepared. We are, we try to be prepared to change stuff. So trying to connect everywhere, try to solve the problem. It's hard. It's super hard. But at the same time, there is a global effort to see what we can do to solve these problems. And hey, silly story there. Not silly, but kind of like this. Uh, my my wife has a complicated surgery on November the fourth. Then because we we have she was uh, diagnosed with cancer, so she need to be removed. It happened everything so fast, and it was super fast, super fast. I mean, we went to the doctor for a standard checkup. Two weeks later, we were in the hospital. Ten days there, and it, it, it was crazy. At that moment. Uh, because we live in all around the globe and we have friends all around the globe. Uh, I have a lot of people, really, a lot of people asking, sending us best wishes, asking how we're doing, sending, asking how we can help, these kind of things. And I spend a lot of time, really a lot of time in the hospital sitting by my wife. She was resting in the bed and I was with my phone answering message, copy and paste, copy and paste. There was a moment that I say, okay, that's it. I am super lazy. I don't like to copy and paste. I am going to build. I am going to do something. So I decided, okay, I'm going to build a website, kind of a private website, share it with my friends and family, and they can start to look at stuff there. But I didn't build the website. I, my initial, as a developer, my initial instinct was to, okay, open code and start to create using React or something, a website to do this. But they have a tool, which is called the Power Pages, a tool in the Power Platform, which basically allows us to create the solution without code. And in five minutes, I create a portal and I put my some of the info there and I share this portal URL with my friends and family. And then because my wife also wants to create a staff, I create an automation that when we send an email with text and a photo, to a specific email address, this content is going to be added in the top of the portal. So it's kind of start, kind of a blog when you are going to see the latest and latest entrance there. It was kind of nice, but hey, at the same time, because we have friends all around the globe, I want to share with my friends and family that there is something new to get there. And because in Latin America, they use a lot of WhatsApp. In Europe, they use, they use a lot of Facebook Messenger. Uh, here in North America, it's a mix of Messenger and other stuff. So I use another automation to basically, when we have something new, notify here and there people using those channels. And the last part was, hey, I have friends in Germany, French, Brazil, Argentina, speaking English, Portuguese, French, German, whatever. So I did some auto translate. So depending on where you are joining, you are going to see the news and the photos in your language. And it was fun. It was something that we did together. She was resting. She it was a, a hard 10 days at the hospital. But at the end of the day, I went back to say, okay, this is Microsoft vision and a statement. Power every person and every organization in the world to become more productive, to become a better one. And hey, I was dealing with super hard time at the hospital and I was super lucky that because I know a little about this tool, I have time to create this connect with over with hundreds of people all around the globe who wanted to know more about this. And that's a nice memory. So it's hard to help everyone. But I can only tell on my personal side how Microsoft helped me. And I really hope that we can find similar stories, also in the business side, not in the personal side, where we help people. Because it's just about to see what you can do. So for me, if you ask me how... In the non-Microsoft side, uh, Microsoft helped me. I can tell that story, which I know it's a sad story. Cancer and everything else is probably the only bad word that I say when I say F cancer. I don't I don't swear a lot, but I say that from time to time. But hey, it helped me. It helped us as a family to connect globally with low effort and to have a good experience. And by the way, I am I really hope though I don't want I don't need to go back to the hospital again. Uh, but I have this, I didn't complete the loop to have feedback. Uh, if we were in the hospital a couple of more days, I will probably add in this space that we created some feedback loop where people can replay to us. Right now, it was just a, a sharing information kind of website. But hey, it was kind of a, a fun to know and super useful.
and uh, and what excites you uh, uh, what excites you to uh, wake up in the morning uh, go and do cloud advocate job it's probably depending on the week or even the day but for me in the last couple of months it was mostly to see two things one is how do we measure that if we are really helping people because sometimes we have this feeling that we are doing a lot of stuff a lot of events a lot of community events a lot of sessions a lot of here and there but it's hard to tell if we are really helping someone it's hard to tell if we are really uh, adding some value in that spaces and uh, so i spend a decent amount of time trying to figure out how to how to really find the spaces where we can help and the other one is choose is to choose our battles uh, i really want to do a lot of stuff i really want to do series and talk with very smart people about doing machine learning in python or doing low code uh, with power platform or doing uh, machine embedding iot stuff with rust in c++ but i don't have time so i need to choose my battles so i need to choose my three month or eight month strategy depending on the, the places of the year and go there and i spend really a lot of uh, a decent amount of time thinking of an example what i am going to focus in april i have some directions i have some global guidelines but we also have the chance to say okay that's great but in canada we don't do this we are going to do that so spend trying to figure out the best way to help communities it was is probably keep me when i start my day start to figure out okay this we are going to do this but it makes sense it not makes sense what else we can do and the way that i try to solve this thinking is asking people asking questions asking hey what do you think about this do you think uh, do you want to do this do you think it makes sense it makes make no sense what else do you want what else do you do you have any idea how to do this kind of thing so talking and solving uh talking with people is probably the best way to to do this but that's probably what keep me thinking during the day and in the morning is okay what we can do to really help communities and uh, talking with computers uh, being a programmer and uh, uh being a guy who is into coding uh, is common everywhere on the uh, on the planet but uh, coming from south america coming from argentina so your english is so good thanks <laughs> so what what you did to make it good hey uh, i in argentina we didn't have everything every every movie every foreign movie have subtitles so we there are only a few couple of movies that you that was translated in the audio to spanish so i watch a lot of tvs and movies in english and when i move to spain that's when i really improve my english level because i started to work in germany and someone said okay who wants to travel here and there and i raised my hand and say yes and i went there and uh, you learn because you need to eat you need, you get to the airport you need to find your stuff somehow you for you they lost your suitcase and your baggage so you need to figure out how to ask people so you go and start to talk it practices i i will probably suggest to people if they have the chance to join some english meetups group or something like this then i joined a couple of them where we basically talk and try to improve everything was free everything was kind of community guided but i spent a lot of time just talking because at the end of the day i realized that i can speak a lot in the, i can speak good decent english in the technical side but if i need to talk about what happened on the weekend with my kids or what my hobbies or whatever I need to learn more. So I started to join communities which are not technical but are focused on improve your English level and that's helped me a lot. Really really a lot. Uh do you find difficulty in doing the cloud advocate role? No. No and I spent a couple of seconds thinking there because advocacy in general is 
it's kind of a very loose term. There is a lot of people doing different type of advocacies. There are great writers who write and create a lot of amazing content. There are great speakers who go and do great presentations. There are people who are helping working side by side with communities, creating communities, supporting communities. Uh, there are people who do all of that stuff and more. So advocacy, it's kind of, it's a super huge green, super huge, huge field where people do a lot of stuff. Uh, but I find that if you like it and you find your right space, it's not a hard job. It's a job that you like. And I don't want to go to the typical, uh, if you like your job, you're not going to work any day in your life. I mean, you're still working. I'm still working. It's, <laughs> you need to, to do your hours, but it's a rewarding job because there is something else there. So not for, for me, cloud advocacy, I will say is not hard because I enjoy it a lot. But on the other side, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of stuff to do there and there is a lot of upsides and downsides also, like any job I think in the world where you're going to be super happy and then you're going to say, oh my God, I need to do this again. Okay, no problem. Put a smile, some music and finish your, your day, finish your job. So not hard, but it's not like a developer who only code, which is also not like this, it's much more complex. But advocacy has a lot of different ways that you can do advocacy. And for me, it's not not hard because I like it, but I'm sure that there are people who are, they, they may have different view. And what kind of problems you hear? That I just mentioned one, it's hard to measure. In example, uh, you can do a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't know, you can write amazing technical blog post and have thousands, millions of views of your content. And that's great. And that's a great metric. But do you are you really helping someone? Are you in our case that we want to help people to get the best of Azure, our cloud in Microsoft? Are we really driving people to use the best of Azure? Or maybe we are not helping them where maybe we are showing them one way to do one, one way to solve the problem, but it's not the best way for them. So that's something that we hear a lot in advocacy, that metrics are super, super complicated because we, and it goes back at the beginning of our conversation. We work with people. So measure people activities. It's much more complicated than measure your unit test. You have 2000 unit tests, you run your tests and you're going to have 95% of tests fine, but somehow 5% of the tests failed. Okay, let's solve this. Doing that with human, oh my God, that's impossible. <laughs> there is no unit test for humans. There is no metrics there. So for me, and I think a lot of advocates may agree with this, the metrics, the, the way that we measure are the value that we are doing with communities and the product teams and everyone else, it's probably the hardest problem that, that we hear here, that we, that, that we all deal with this. And uh, you are, uh, you are uh, 14 times plus uh, most Microsoft most valuable professional. So how is that? Hey, that was, that's, that was an amazing memory. That was, that's what, when I joined Microsoft, I need to give away my MVPs because when you join Microsoft, you are not an MVP anymore. I was kind of sad. I mean, it was, 14 years, starting in Spain, uh, continue here in Canada. I meet a lot of amazing people. I have the chance to work with great professionals. I, I meet a lot of great people in the product team, in the Microsoft product team, because when you are an MVP, you have access to, to the product team besides, I don't know, who created uh, the team who create Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code or the team who creates all of the tools in DevOps. So you can chat with them. You can give them your point of view. They are going to give you feedback. They ask your feedback. So it was a great experience. For me, it was, it was amazing. It's also allows me to travel a lot, to meet a lot of people. There are MVPs all around the globe. And I really, really, I, I have an amazing memory for those days. Uh, it was, it was great. And it shows the, your curiosity uh, towards technology. And uh, it shows uh, you are very passionate in learning technology. 
Yes, basically, if I see my MVP career, this is not a career, but I was lucky to get uh, get the recognition all of this year in a row. It changed. I started the programmer, moved to the DevOps sites, then at the end it was a machine learning. So myself, I I was even changing. I I didn't start coding and did coding all my life. I started coding and then started to do other stuff on top of coding. And yes, the 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 MVPs. Awards show how I change every year, from year to year, and it was kind of nice also that to be recognized in these different categories because they also show that, hey, we value that work that you are doing. In example, the last five years in the artificial intelligence category, where I did a lot of Azure Cognitive Services, a lot of coding in the cloud for machine learning, and it was kind of nice. And as I said, the MVP program is an amazing program. Uh, I have only the best world to 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 do this and i am su- to to all of this team and i am super lucky because i am working internally with the mvp team right now which is kind of oh, amazing i have the chance to also work with these people who are great and uh, you saw the uh, tools that are helping human beings in and which has uh, their own purpose and uh, now you came to a stage a certain stage i want you to tell where you are right now uh, uh, and what kind of tools that uh, that you want to understand that that should be created in order to help uh, more people in the world? Oh, I am not an expert at that time. I mean, I, I really believe that the small things can add a lot of value. And I really believe that if we start to improve our tools to support people, in example, with some kind of uh, disability, we're going to help them. And we don't know sometimes how how many of these things we already have and we don't care about them. And we can really change the, 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 the life of, of, of people with some kind of uh, disability or problem. So I always like to, to tell about an example. If we use PowerPoint, which I know, people like it, people don't like it, but most of the people know PowerPoint to create a slide, to create presentations. When you add an image to PowerPoint, uh, like you need, like you usually do on Twitter or you do on, if you are doing an HTML page, you have the chance to add to the PowerPoint presentation a description because it's someone with some kind of visual uh, challenge is going to read a PDF export of your slides. This person is not going to be able to see the picture, but they might be able to read the description. So we encourage people to do this. And this is a feature that exists in PowerPoint for the last, I don't know, several years. And if you don't add the description, there is an AI service in the back. There is a machine learning, I'm sorry, a computer vision service in the back that you can ask because I don't write, I don't want to write the description for this, this, for this picture, but we can use a computer vision and service in the back that's going to pause the image, analyze the image, get back the description and it's going to say, Hey, I think that this in this photo, there is a person walking in the dog in a park in a sunny day. So we didn't even need to do this. We can automate this. I mean, like any computer vision software is going to work great. 99.99 perfect time. It's going to work great most of the time, but sometimes you need to tweak this. But doing these kind of things is going to help people. So I believe that if we spend this time doing this, Taking advantage of this, we are going to help people who have some kind of disability. And there are so, so, so many examples of this. Uh, I try to do in my tweets every time that I do a photo, and sometimes I forget, but I try to do all the time. I spend an extra five seconds, extra 20 seconds, and I add the description. Because as I said, I believe that someone who has some problems and visual impediments are going to read that is going to be i'm going to basically save them the problem to not understand the context and it took me 20 seconds we have tools to do this we have several tools and sometimes i have the feeling that people don't know these tools there are tools also in the office space in the microsoft office space where where you are planning to send an email or creating a document or creating a powerpoint is going to analyze the accessibility of your document and it's going to say you know what this background and this this background color and this foreground color, the contrast between them is not very good. So people who has specific 
eyes or visual problems are not going to be able to read this. Change it. The suggestion is change this gray for white and this black for dark blue or whatever. I don't know. I'm not an expert there. But hey, it's literally spending a little amount of time here and there, and we can do more and more. If people want to do no more, you can go to microsoft.com slash AI, and there is a section AI for good there that describes all of the initiatives that we in Microsoft are globally doing to support, to, to help uh, species, animal species that are endangered, to support and get better products around accessibility. And all of these things, Microsoft.com slash AI, AI for good is an amazing, amazing experience. It's an amazing place to start to note everything that we are doing. I'm not an expert. I'm just a user, so I can tell this little one which I use to try to help here and there. But again, Microsoft.com slash AI, the entry point for all of this stuff. And uh, you have connectivity with uh, three different countries. And... Uh... What is the user experience that you observed in these three countries for the technology services that you work for? Great question. I mean, right now, today, I think the cloud and the, the general concept of the cloud, not only Azure, also the other providers, kind of level leveled the, the access to, to products and to capabilities that all of these countries have. As I said, I came from Latin America, kind of a third world, third world countries where everything is a little different. But today you can, if you have internet connectivity, a good internet connectivity, and lucky a medium decent internet connectivity is still a good one, you can create your products using cloud in anywhere in the world and have access to the same products, access to the same capabilities, I mean. The Azure Static Web Apps is the same for people in Latin America, in Europe, and in North America, which is the main three places where I where I interact. So having access to these kind of services is basically level the balance. So if you have a great idea and you live in a place that you don't have a lot of possibilities, like the place that I was born and raised, you are going to be able that if you can use these kind of things, you are going to be able to use them to get the best and to have kind of the same opportunities, someone growing up in, I don't know, in a better country or whatever. And I really like that. I really like this because it gives you the chance, it gives everyone the chance to get the best of these products, of these tools. And I'm not talking about just Microsoft. I think all of the global cloud providers do the same. So I really like that because we is the moment that everybody around the globe have the chance to do their best. And in example, if you are a student and you are starting and you want to do something with Azure Cloud, we have Azure for students where you can go there and you have, I can't remember how much credit in Azure for free. You have GitHub Copilot that we just talked also for free. You have other, there is a pack also in GitHub, GitHub for students, I think it's called, which is amazing. So there are a lot of things that you can try and test and it won't matter where you are living, where you are joining, where... You can use this tool anywhere in the world and get the best of your ideas. So I really, really like that because when I started, it was kind of different. So I really like that today is the, the level is kind of the same for everywhere uh, all around the globe. That said, you, you need a good internet connectivity. That's probably the only thing that you need. And uh, Microsoft is a technology company which is... Uh... Uh, the, the intention of Microsoft is to reduce the human uh, effort and energy and solve problems in less time. And uh, if we see, uh, it took long time for Microsoft to, uh, uh, for the evolution, but uh, once the cloud came, uh, once the cloud taken place and started solving the problems, it didn't took much time to, uh, uh, for uh, ChatGPT to, to come. So, uh, if you see uh, cloud, when, when the cloud came in Microsoft and ChatGPT came, so the, the, the time is very less in understanding human problems and solving problems, uh, human problems with the technology. So, what is next after ChatGPT? And when it is? <laughs> I don't know when. Uh, I, I, I hope it's soon, but I don't know. 
But hey, ChatGPT it's I don't know if it's the best product doing the stuff that it's doing, which is basically going back a little. ChatGPT is using uh, GPT 3.5, which is a, very, a specific trained model, a large language model, which is which basically works trying to connect words and give you the best sentence for that. It's much more complicated, but this is what they are doing. Uh, I think the success for ChatGDP is because OpenAI were the first one who were brave enough to put something that is going to fail in the street. And I, I may assume that uh, Sam Alman, the CEO of OpenAI, when they started to do these kind of things, and they work a lot with us in Microsoft also. Uh, they say, okay, let's go put, to put this in the cloud. I think it was November last year. Not, not a long time ago. Uh, let's put this open to everyone and let's see what's happened. Worst case scenario, we shoot it down and it's going to be a joke in a couple of years. That's happened, by the way, that's happened to Microsoft on 2016, I think, when we released Tay, a bot in Twitter that learning from Twitter responses and after one day it becomes crazy. It was, we need to shut this down. Another story. But somehow, ChatGPT make it. Somehow, ChatGPT was a hot. Somehow, people were starting to really join talking. And I will chatting, and I will quote talking with ChatGPT. And because super extra amazingly popular. Uh, now we have been chat. We use the same technologies, improved technologies and GPT for a specific search. Uh, but the big players, not only Microsoft and OpenAI, Google, Facebook, and the others, they have their own products. Google has BART. It's not public yet, but at some time in the future, we don't know when, we are going to have a similar experience searching with Google. Uh, and Facebook have some massive, literally massive models that they use for other things. So right now, a lot of people is expecting that GPT-4, which is kind of the next version of these, the, these Transformers models, are going to change everything. But I think that it's not going to be around the next big model anymore. It's going to be the next big model and a very smart implementation, like we see with JetGPT. JetGPT, it wasn't new. It was just if I cave, it was just a chat interface with a model that we know, which is what the GPT 3.5. And they make it really easy to use. If you take a look at the interface of chat GPT, it's chat with sessions and that's it. By the way, it's down 80% of the time or so because everybody's using globally. Uh, but I think that in the future, we are not going to see, I mean, of course, we are going to see super smart people creating amazing breakthrough AI models, but I think the next big ones are going to be around products that use those models, products that really help you. I don't know. In the last two months, I have a list here, probably over a thousand new AI products, a lot of, okay, this tool is going to help you to write more blog posts or this or that or this or that. They are all using the same AI models in the, in the back. But for me, the next one is not going to be around the next big model, but it's going to be, oh, this is a super cool application that use one or more AI models in the back. When? I don't know, but 2023 is going to be a, an interesting year. That's for sure. And uh, one last question. Uh, uh, Elon Musk uh, intention uh, to come and uh, create Twitter is to uh, give uh, uh, access or uh, give 100% uh, freedom to every human being in order to uh, share their uh, uh, thoughts or experiences or feelings. So, so security. Uh, when when this when when he said this, security was the first thing that they, that that was main thing for the Twitter. So also. Uh, when it comes to cloud that you're working for, security is controlled by human being. Uh, we are giving uh, security uh, security rules or adding rules uh, in order to control things. 
but when it comes to open ai like chat gpt so this is going to be very typical uh, when it comes to security yes there there are a couple of things there one is of course secure communications uh, i think we may assume that everything happen right now will be secure so your if i am using chat gpt here the data transmission from here to the cloud servers going back and forward will be secure we also have a layer of security that's what's happening with my data i am asking something i am sharing something with chat to to models like chat gpt or whatever and they are using my data to train the the model to become the, the better model and there is another layer uh, a third one which is okay which info which data are these big companies using to train those models and if they are, an example if they are using my data did they at any moment i say yes use it or i didn't even grant a space there there is there going to be a lot of changes here and there around these kind of things i think we are going to see a lot of new set of legislations a new set of laws that i hope they are going to help both sides the creators and the people who are training those models because right now it's kind of hard and hey you just mentioned twitter twitter it's super popular platform probably still the big one even and you like it or not like it it's it's there and it works great but last week they i think it was last week when they announced that they are going to get they are going to not use the two factor authentication using sms text messages anymore and uh, i said why <laughs> you want to have your users secure you want to give everyone the chance to to have the two factor authentication because basically it's going to be harder for someone to store an account and i started to read because it didn't make sense i started to read and it seems that only a very 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 few set of people in the whole billions of twitter users that are probably there only a couple of thousands are using text so there is no business model to support this there if you want to use it and you want the two factor authentication install google authenticator microsoft authenticator or or one of the other authenticator mobile apps that are there and use them but that's an example where security is a concern where security is a topic but a business decision decide to move in a different direction i really hope i really hope that we are that we don't make a bad decision like that one which i still think is a bad decision i still think that even if you have five people using text you need to support those five users that's a that's a longer conversation but i really hope that in the future when we and it's not going to be me it's going to be people who are much more intelligent and working those area but when we need to face those decisions we choose the best one we choose the one that really put the human and the user first before money and other kind of things we we also know that is not always the the case So before ending uh, what do you say about my questioning in this conversation Hey I really like it and you we talk about this a couple of weeks ago so I will say thanks for inviting me I really like the flow also time flies I don't know <laughs> it really went fast uh looking forward as I said let's let's set up a meeting in the near future or I don't know one year or something like this and let's see right you remember that we talk about ABCs what's happening here 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 do we have something new to talk about security and yes we have this problem here or this amazing advance here we talk about new products hey what is new today yes we talk about this and that so i really like it i really really like it uh looking forward for the next one uh and uh, i did masters in software engineering right now i'm getting trained as a cloud devops engineer role uh, so how uh how these experience uh, have you seen any videos of mine on youtube i took more than 500 technology experts interviews around the world more than 100 plus country people are there on my channel so how this conversation with experts like you who are already in the industry and 
for solving problems, who solve problems, who are handling different projects, talking with experts like you, how this experience is going to be helpful for me if I come in, if I come and work as a DevOps engineer or further roles in IT. Hey, uh, this is this is going to be also you are going to edit this and you are going to put this on on there. Probably not quote me what I'm going to say. I will really appreciate if you don't add this to the video. You are doing, for me, and this is Bruno speaking, not Microsoft, not Spirian, you are doing something great. You are putting your brand there. You are putting your name there. I, when I see your channel, I start to see people who you interview, some Amazon people, some other companies people. I think that's a very, very smart move because you are building your brand. You are building your name. When someone starts to search you, it's going to say, hey, no, take a look here. He speaks, I speak with this person or this other person. That's an amazing move. I really think that this type of activities, I think and I hope that is going to help you a lot because we live in a connected world. And when we do these kind of things, uh, you are building your brand. It's for me. If I want to work with someone and I see this couple of things, for me, it's a check, an extra check. Oh, I like it. Oh, 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 oh. so kudos to you. If I can do something else to help, I will do it. But keep doing this. Let me know if you need me to introduce someone or if you see I know someone and you want me to do the intro, I will be happy because I believe, and again, this is Bruno. This is not sure for this. I believe that these kind of things really help you. In my experience, everything that I deal with the, as an MVP, activities like this, really help me to get my job at Microsoft, for example. But there is no formula there. So I will continue this path, that's for sure. I like your style. I like your questions. It was super natural. It flowed great. And I really, like, I really hope that it's helped you. I'm sure that it's going to help you. So you have my help if you need anything else, because this helps a lot. Uh, your words are very valuable for me because uh, you are into technology for a long time and uh, you have a huge, uh, huge years of experience. So a task, can I put this in my video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah. and also can I put this video on audio clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media, everything with your permission? Yes, sure. And once you leave, once you publish and everything, hey, let me know. And I will be happy to, to help with the promotion. Make a blog post here, let's tweet here, mention this in one of the streams that we have at Microsoft or whatever. Yes, I will be happy to help also there. Thank you, sir. Again, uh, you're very inspirational. And also, even if one person changes and learns from you, it will be a very good uh, contribution to the technology world. Oh, no. Thanks to you for inviting me and thanks for the kind words. Thank you again. Okay, say, I need to leave. I need to prepare something for, for my day. And again, let me know what else I can do to help. It's a pleasure to meet you. Really a pleasure to meet you and see you on next one. Thank you, sir. Again, thank you. Bye. Bye.